From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, February 4th. Happy Black History Month, everyone. I'm Monique Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's David Bank. Hi, David. Hey, Monique. It's great to be back. And we're going to have Dennis Price's conversation with Kim Folsom of Founders First Capital Partners about flexible financing to create jobs and wealth. Sounds good to me. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in Impact Investing. Carbon hit $100 a ton in European markets this week. The rising price is hitting corporate balance sheets and decision-making. Corporations are scrambling to lock in carbon credits to meet their net zero pledges, and more importantly, greenlighting carbon abatement projects to reduce their own emissions. Honestly, I don't know why we're not all jumping for joy that the price is over $100 a ton in Europe. You know, it's really a breakthrough and an important development. That's Paula DiPerna of CDP, which tracks the internal price of carbon that companies use in their own planning. The highest? Amgen, at $1,600 a ton. Climate and supply chain disruptions are spurring investment in food waste solutions. Private food waste investments in the U.S. were up 30% to $4.8 billion last year. Still, $14 billion in financing is needed each year to reach the national goal of cutting food waste in 2030, estimates the nonprofit Refed. In a Q&A with Impact Alpha, Ross Baird, ex of Village Capital, laid out a blueprint for equitable real estate in southern Zoom towns. Migration to the southeast and Sunbelt, accelerated by COVID-19, has put pressure on the supply of affordable housing and is worsening wealth inequality. Baird's Blueprint Local is marshalling local investors and Opportunity Zone tax breaks to finance affordable housing and space for local businesses in Baltimore, Charlotte, Atlanta, Austin, Huntsville, and other Zoom towns. BlackRock and Partners committed $650 million to charging infrastructure for electric trucks. The joint venture with Daimler Truck and Next Era Energy aims to start construction next year on a network of charging stations on freight routes across the United States' east and west coasts and in Texas. Vertical farming continues to attract investment. The failure of Aero Farms to go public by a SPAC last year gave investors pause. Doubts have been raised about the sustainability of high-tech greenhouses. Two of the latest deals tried to address those concerns. San Francisco-based Plenty raked in $400 million and a partnership with Walmart to distribute locally grown produce. And KKR provided a $150 million loan facility to New Jersey-based Bowery Farming, which says it runs on 100% clean energy. The Swiss impact pioneer Responsibility is being acquired by the UK investment manager M&G. Responsibility has invested $11 billion since 2003 in agriculture, access to energy, healthcare and education, and financial and gender inclusion in emerging markets. Impact Alpha subscribers got all of these stories and more in their email each day this week. Hello again, David. Hi, Monique. I was listening to the headline about carbon pricing and thinking about your background as a, as a banker and commodities trader. Did you ever trade a ton of carbon? <laughs> no, it brings up a lot of memories, though. I was on the oil and gas side then, um, covering EMP companies in Latin America, but uh, those days are long gone. Uh, um, we're going to bring a little bit of it back. Carbon trading's become a, a real thing. We're going to dig into all of the ways carbon pricing is starting to show up uh, in deals and balance sheets, as you said, on our Agents of Impact call next Tuesday, February 8th. So who's going to be on the call? Anybody I know? Well, Paula DePerna, who you just mentioned in the in the headlines, 
um, as well as Regen Network's Gregory Landois, who is an expert on, on blockchain and, and carbon trading. Emmanuel Lagarigue, um, who folks know because we had a podcast with him um, uh, when he was at Schneider Electric. He's now moved to General Atlantic's Beyond Net Zero Fund. And then a very interesting guy, Delton Chen of the Global Carbon Reward, who's got a very big and ambitious idea to uh, capitalize all this um, with a global carbon coin. That sounds super fascinating. Can't wait to hear the conversation. And speaking of agents of impact, our friend and colleague, Dennis Price, caught up with Kim Folsom of San Diego-based Founders First Capital Partners this week, didn't he? Yeah, well, Impact Alpha profiled Kim as an agent of impact about a year ago. And then just in November, Founders First closed its $11 million round of financing from a real who's who of impact investing institutions. Kudos to them. And that's super interesting. So Kim, I understand, wants to help create hundreds or thousands of million dollar or tens of million dollar operating businesses led by women, people of color, LGBTQ plus military veterans or diverse teams, which sounds like a great goal to me. Let's go to Dennis. Kim, you like to say Founders First is majoring in the minors. What do you mean by that? Well, Founders First focuses on funding and growing Main Street businesses, where many venture-backed firms are focused on growing the you know, future unicorns. We focus on what we categorize as Clydesdale and uh, Zebra companies, those companies that are anywhere in the you know, six to, to eight figures. And those are the ones that supply the largest amount of jobs, the small and, and mid-sized companies. And so our funding helps them grow anywhere from three to five times uh, once we begin working with them. And just in sheer scale, there's just a lot more of those types of companies, correct? There are. I mean, for every uh, one company that could be a unicorn, there's like millions that are the you know zebras and Clydesdales. You know, when you think about the small number of companies that are the large tech giants compared to the biggest job suppliers, which are the small and medium-sized businesses. And we also um, you know, have a focus on helping those diverse-led businesses um, become those small and medium-sized uh, leading job creators. And you'd think with that scale that banks and other investors would be clamoring to finance such businesses, but that's not the case, right? And so you, Finders First provides a, a specific type of flexible finance. Um, so, so what is revenue-based finance and how does it fill that gap in finance? Sure. And so the market we serve, unfortunately, hasn't had access to the capital markets for growth capital. Um, given the regulations in banking, they've changed so much such that you need to be a five or $10 million business to really get access to six and seven figures of capital. And given the growth profile of small and mid-sized mid-market businesses, you're not gonna attract the you know, venture capital that's looking for 100X growth. So um, revenue-based financing is a hybrid between traditional debt and equity, such that um, you're actually making the investment in the revenues of the companies, uh, specifically in a form of a royalty stream that's paid on a monthly basis to a cap. And um, while this concept is new for serving, filling the gap for diverse uh, founder-led businesses, it's been in the market for a very long time. When you look at either in the oil and gas industry or in the entertainment industry, 
they've used revenue-based financing for, for, you know, as long as they've been around. And uh, it's applying this model to a new marketplace to provide them with an on-ramp to building uh, wealth and job creation. And so while sharing some of the risk, you're also leaving ultimately the equity in the hands of the founders. That's correct, because, you know, the biggest wealth creation in this country has been on that entrepreneurial component. But, you know, everybody knows that's been a seasoned entrepreneur. It takes quite a bit to be able to to make that occur. And so uh, by being able to be non-dilutive capital, that is also not based on them uh, pledging personal assets, nor um, their personal, significantly based on their personal financial profile, um, which for diverse founders has been a challenge because many of them do not have real estate to get uh, access to growth capital, which is required in most traditional debt scenarios. Uh, Revenue-based financing provides a great alternative to them. And there's a couple folks that have made lots of money based on this you know, royalty method Everyone has watched Shark Tank and seen uh, Kevin O'Leary as one of the well-known sharks that has, you know, does a lot of royalty-based deals. But he made a billion dollars because largely his company was financed using a royalty method as opposed to giving up a lot of equity. So it's an opportunity to fill this gap, but also a, a financial opportunity as well. The, Kim, your, your, your model, your early success has attracted capital from blue chip um, uh, impact investing foundations, including Rockefeller, Cerdna, Kellogg, MacArthur, um, as well as impact-oriented investors like Spring Lane and 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 Melinda Gates's Pivotal Ventures. Um, so that you know those those type of investors are looking for impact. How do you define the impact of founders first? Well, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, we are building a scalable platform that provides an impact such that it addresses this social economic gap that has prevented these diverse founders from getting access for flexible, relevant capital for their growth. And we do it at scale. We're a national platform focused on this. And we have the relevant experience of the market we serve. I've been a serial entrepreneur for over 25 years before I started Founders First. And many people may not know, but a lot of you know, uh, foundations have been innovators in finance for you know, many, many years. They are the significant investors in the venture capital community and other early finance because they do tend to address you know, social issues, but they want to do it at scale. And, um, and prior to you know, the fortunate uh, ability for our partnership, you know, Founders First has been in the market funding and growing diverse businesses for uh, some five years before our partnerships came in place with these entities. So, you know, this relationship develops along the path of them funding innovative finance that not only addresses the social, racial, economic uh, gap that we have experienced for, you know, uh, many, many decades in this country. They want to do it at scale and also demonstrate to the capital markets like they've done with, you know, uh, equity funds, you know, in the you know 70s and 80s, that this is a um, scalable alternative to expand the marketplace and allow small business owners that have been sitting on the bench because they couldn't get access to capital. Um, so it's very exciting to be able to continue their trend of innovative finance enablement 
uh, with the support of the Founders First platform. And, and like we've been talking about, that sort of impact at scale is an alpha, so to speak, or, or, or big financial opportunity. That is correct. And it's so important that people understand such that we don't have this groundhog moment that it's just a philanthropic uh, instant or moment such that um, you know there's funds deployed, but not the expectation of return. If there's not the um, return or alpha, then it's not a sustainable platform that shows that the interests are aligned between the entrepreneur, the investors, and the uh, you know institutional capital market community that can look at investing in platforms like Founders First as a diversifying strategy um, for returns because you know it allows for funding these business owners that are creating jobs and creating wealth and and sharing that wealth with the capital deployed. Kim, more and more investors and corporations um, are focusing on the S or social in, in ESG, um, as well as racial equity strategies, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we've seen an acceleration of that since the, the, the murder of George Floyd. You're, you're a seven-time entrepreneur. You've seen such commitments and pledges before. Uh, what do you hope is different this time? My hope is that they recognize that it has to be a full circle commitment, not just one where there's lots of marketing efforts and pledges to do things. And the part of the cycle of, okay, if we market to this, this community, we're going to increase our business by accounting on them as customers. Um, but if they don't go full, the other 180 and uh, being able to engage these folks as board members, as employees, as partners, as suppliers, then it will allow for a overall sustainable growth where it raises all tides. You know, using the example, Henry Ford grew Ford by not only hiring um, you know white workers who could buy his cars, he also hired uh, had a pretty significant diverse workforce because he found that by hiring and having this significant diverse workforce, he enabled them to afford to buy his cars, not just in a certain moment, but an ongoing effort by building that wealth for that diverse uh, workforce. And my hope is that this time, with many of the Fortune 500 companies that have taken this uh, ESG and DEI strategy as part of their core growth and sustainability initiatives and governance initiatives that they use a 360 degree strategy. And many have, I'm uh, delighted to share, but that's a small group. I read recently, it's about 30%, but the hope is that that uh, 30% will, and it's not just that they've taken these strategies, they've saw significant economic um, performance growth um, because of that. That that will be, um, they'll be the shepherds to to get some of the other uh, folks sitting on the sidelines uh, watching their success. Well, best of luck to you. These are you know great goals and and, and new models and and um, love the idea that this can happen at scale. Thank you. Um, we do too. Thanks, Kim and Dennis, for that interview, and thank you, David, and thanks to our producer Isaac Silk. That's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Subscribe to get full access to Impact Alpha and The Daily Brief. Right now, we're offering podcast listeners $100 off their first subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Make sure to check back for next week's briefing. And until then, take care.